0: broadcasting live from the business radio x studios in atlanta georgia it's time for association leadership radio now here's your host
1: lee Cantor. here another episode of association leadership radio and i'm joined today with cynthia mills and she is with the leaders haven welcome cynthia
0: Thank you so much, Lee. It's great to be with you today.
1: Well, I'm excited to learn what you're up to. Tell us a little bit about the Leaders Haven, how you serving folks
0: absolutely well i um put the leaders haven together after about 20 years of serving in the ceo spot i found that i really enjoyed working in the areas of strategy governance and leadership including executive coaching and so my my work tends to go in those those three areas but i also do a lot of uh, book writing and i also do a lot of speaking and webinars and those sorts of things as well
1: so now um When you say leaders haven, what does that kind of mean?
0: Well, there is nothing more difficult, I think, um, particularly in the 2020s, than uh, being a leader. And I'm very pleased that we have people who are willing to step into extraordinary variables um, in the transformational 2020s. And so, I wanted to create a place where boards and individual leaders could feel like they could really explore the uncertainty of the times that uh, that we're in, and to realize that there's no playbook that we have the freedom to design in, into this experience that we're in and to create possibility but to do so in a way where people feel emboldened to do that and not overwhelmed by the environment we find ourselves in
1: are you finding that leaders today are more open to sharing their vulnerabilities and their challenges with a group and then forming partnerships rather than saying i am you know i've got this all figured out just Follow me, um, you know. I I have all the answers.
0: Yeah, I think the, the short answer to that um, is yes. In general, um, there's certainly um, some who are struggling to to get comfortable with that. It's certainly a, a very different leadership style than um, you know of, of decades before. What I'm finding is that um, leaders who um, understand their their roles really well and are allowing. <laughs> Um, boards and staff to be able to play those roles well, be entrepreneurial and change leaders but engage in this as learning organizations and not in the blame game. Um, A pilot and test mentality as we begin to identify opportunities and and build more enterprise types of models, um, it's really important to allow people to run with that. And um, that requires vulnerability and people being willing to say, hey, these are the mistakes we learned. These are the the lessons that we learned um, out of that. Now we're gonna build in an even more Um, bold way. And I think when we can get there um, and have that perspective from volunteers, boards and staff, we have an opportunity to do some pretty remarkable things.
1: Right. And I think at the heart of that is that um, vulnerability, that uh, ability to, like you said, to kind of test, learn and iterate rather than I know everything and this is how it's going to play out when everybody is really just taking educated guesses and we got to be OK with, you know, misses because you can't really, you know, find the edges unless you're really pushing. You, it's, you, you can't do tomorrow what you did yesterday and expect the same result.
0: Absolutely. And, and you know, one of the things that I had the opportunity to do um, in 19, end of 19, was to speak before a number of, um, CEOs and I had put together, uh, what I usually use to sort of scare boards a little bit before strategy. And what I mean by that is it's, um, it's not, um, uncommon for leaders to be so focused on where they're headed to not see a lot of other uh, complex variables that are um, that are coming together. And I felt like that was part of what was happening at the end of, of 2019. And what fascinated me about it was after people said nice things, it was followed by one sentence and everybody said the same thing. You scared me to death. And what's, in, what's interesting to me about that was that was before the COVID of the last couple of years, before the elevation of social justice conversations to today's levels and diversity, equity, inclusion, and polarization to the level we're in, those sorts of things. And, and so if we can have... Um, open conversations about all of those variables, be vulnerable about it, but also be respectful. I think one of the things that I find a lot of time um, is being spent on as people reach out to me is the is how do I design those conversations, right? So so people may be open to being vulnerable, but by the same token, the expertise to design those conversations is something that I'm finding that that both seasoned and aspiring CEOs um, are really, are really struggling with as well as boards. And so it's one thing to say, let's be vulnerable. but It's another thing to say, well, how do we have the expertise to do that well, and then come up with something that is also um, something we can execute on.
1: But isn't that an opportunity for uh, consultants and people that have the kind of the outsider perspective with fresh eyes looking at something where they can help elegantly have these conversations with folks that may not have the skills that they do, and they can also take some of the heat and some of the pressure off of these boards and these uh, people that are working these organizations.
0: Oh, I think that's absolutely true. And, and you know, one of the things that the elements around that, um, you know, is, is this idea of, um, you know, what what people wish they were actually saying to each other. And so, you know, I, I hear things like um, the pace is not sustainable. Um, and and we talk a lot about the idea of, well, how do we put a reasonableness test in place when we're in a design process, you know, where two or more are gathered? We can come up with things to do. But what are the most important strategic priorities that that we need to identify Um, And then how do we uh, do that in a way where the, the pace is sustainable? And that is one of the places where someone from the outside can come in and bring that up as an issue Whereas, you know, that's sometimes tougher for staffs or CEO to say, well, wait a minute, we we, we can't just keep adding on, <laughs> you know. And, and so I think what we have to do is be able to help them um, learn how to say no to some certain things, learn how to help them re- really create strategic breakthroughs by focusing priorities. And as you said, taking a little bit of that heat so that at the end of that, we have really high structured strategic frameworks that people feel comfortable operating within. Um, and then we've got all the people who've been engaged in the design ready to go and work together. And if there's anything that needs where heat needs to be taken, that that's left where the consultant was and not within the group of people that need to jointly execute together.
1: Right. And because that's ultimately the goal of the consultant is to leave the organization in a better place. It doesn't matter who takes the credit. Um, you know, you're no. just trying to help them get there.
0: Yeah, being being a consultant is definitely not about taking credit. I think the thing that that thrills me the most is when people exceed their own expectations of themselves. Um, there is nothing like that moment when you get to watch people own it and watch them get excited about the future they've they have created. You know, I, I always think about um, you know if, if I can if I can come along beside. A group of people or an individual and help them with the ideas of how we, you know, build people, how we help them lead dynamics effectively, and then align everything with strategy um, so that they're exceeding those expectations. Um, I'm a, a more than happy person and just thrilled to get to watch them fly as a result of that and thrive.
1: Now, is there a typical point of entry for you and your firm? Is there a pain that these organizations are having where your team is the logical solution?
0: Well, I would, I would answer your question by actually saying people come um, to me for a variety of reasons. Um, you know, all of them around things like how do we maximize our strategy? How do we use our resources thing well? How do we create the dynamics in governance that allow us to both design strategically and lead well? Um, and then, you know, certainly how do we help staff teams to thrive? And so the leadership development around that um, as well as how helping them understand how to implement strategy and partner with boards. Those are certainly areas that, um, that I think everyone is seeking. It's that, it's that focus strategy with um, new models because our models are changing and are, are, uh, are needing to change. And then lastly, how, how do we function well in, and in our careers really continue to build ourselves to, to match the need that, that's going forth? But sometimes that comes in as a strategy assignment request. Sometimes it comes as executive coaching. Sometimes it comes in as a, hey, can you come work with the leadership team? All of those are around how do we build people, create dynamics, and align strategy you know, to thrive?
1: But are there things that are happening in the organization that maybe symptoms or breadcrumbs that are like something's amiss here? Uh, it's time to get kind of another perspective.
0: Yeah, I think I think one of the things that I saw through um, the COVID experience was organizations that had really clear roles established between their board and their staff, and their board and CEO partnership was really well intact, and that didn't change because a crisis hit. They still allowed the CEO to see opportunities to fill gaps to, to run with that inside of an overall strategic framework. Um, you know those organizations really continued to thrive and adjust through the crisis. The cracks were where there were political things that um, had always been in play, and and that crisis situation exacerbated that. And so in those circumstances, you know you get you get brought in to either do conflict and negotiation management. Um, within groups or you're you're brought in to do more development um, you know around appropriate roles and communication and those sorts of things and that's certainly one one place that um, the experience of the last two years showed up um, things and then I think secondly, you know we went through a strategic cause for a little while as people were doing crisis leadership. And so then there came another pain point, which was, whoa, you know, we we can't continue to be on pause. We've got to accept the dynamics that are here. And now we need to design strategy, knowing that there are a wide variety of variables that are continued to sort of bat us around. But we're going to take control of that and take control of our destiny and be proactive, not reactive. And that that was another place where if you're completely staying in the reactive mode, Um, You know, you're going to need some help to shift your both your mindset as well as your practices into a more proactive approach and a scenario approach going forward.
1: So uh, what's your backstory? How did you get involved in uh, this type of leadership and working with organizations specifically?
0: Well, if you, want, if you want the real initial story, my mom called me 20-some, 30-some years ago and said, there's this job and it sounds like you. <laughs> and, and that's how I actually wound up as the assistant executive director for the National Association of College Auxiliary Services. So I came straight in as a, a number two uh, into a, a national organization and had an extraordinary mentor in the CEO um, there who was really behind me and my development. Um, and I worked in a variety of organizations, um, You know, led C6 organizations, C3, C4, and, um, and did that over, like I say, a couple of decades. And really realized that that my sweet spot was in the um, those areas around strategy governance and people uh, development. And so I decided that, you know, I had run businesses and I had reported to boards and, and partnered with strong staff and, and board teams. Um, and I really wanted to be able to take all of those lessons learned and and skills and be able to help more organizations than going from one organization to another at a time. And so I put um, all of the sort of uh, track, uh, track and infrastructure in place uh, starting back in 2006 and then in uh, 2014, end of that year, stepped full time into um, the, the leader's haven and have never looked back and have never been happier and considered a tremendous privilege to uh, walk beside um, organizations as they, as they find their future and, and make incredible contributions to our world.
1: What trend excites you the most about uh, these kind of associations and organizations?
0: I think that um, there was a there was a uh, an ASA meeting a few years ago when um, I arrived and thought, my word, it was like the page had been turned and the next generation had showed up in mass. Um, you know, excited and hungry about leadership and, um, you know, the DELP program that ASAE had was was uh, developing leaders. And um, it, it, it was that moment for me when I went, wow, you know, all of the people that helped raise me up um, when I was at that space, um, you know, they were in later years in, in their career. And it just excited me so much to see how people were taking hold of designing both the profession and also being very excited about the contributions they wanted to make in in leadership in all of these organizations. So I'm really excited to continue to watch how emerging professionals, young CEOs, aspiring C-suite leaders um, continue to uh, develop both the profession and also make contributions that impact the world uh every day. So that's the thing I'm most excited about and, and happy to support um their their uh their work.
1: Now is there anything that you could share uh with the listeners a, a piece of advice or something that's actionable today that you think would um kind of give a big impact for them tomorrow? Is there some action that they could take that um can maybe at least open their mind to moving to a new level?
0: One of the most exciting things that I've watched um, being integrated into developing strategic frameworks is the idea of storytelling, and um, you know that's certainly something I I work with with clients on when we when we're uh, doing that. I um, like the model that Steve Denning uh, developed. He says if you're going to be a change leader, you have to be able to tell the story of the past, why the past won't work anymore the story of the future and the bridging story between them. And I have found that uh, clients who are utilizing that template um, to write that initial story, think about the multiple audiences that they need to tell their story to and adjust the story based on that, um, can, can go tomorrow and do that without going through a new strategy exercise. Um, But if they will do it more than once, they will find that the story gets refined, the clarity that that brings in um, boards and staff being able to communicate um, well with each other and then for all of them to be ambassadors for what they um, uh, believe in and what they're trying to accomplish, I think is a critical skill set, but it's also a discipline that you can return to, to make sure that everyone has the same understandings of what you mean by mission, vision, and strategy um, as an organization and align align your strategy with that story.
1: Yeah, I think it's really important for people to understand that true north, because like you said, there's a... The, at the C suite, they might think there is clarity and they may all be speaking the same language, but it may not be trickling down all the way to the volunteers and the kind of the boots on the ground.
0: Very, very true. And it can, it can show up in something as simple as sending an email and you think you're being clear, only you get something very different than the instructions. And, and I learned those sorts of things the hard way is that, you know, communication is, and I mentioned earlier, the idea of designing conversations, we we have gotten to the point where we are so busy that our work can become, you know, checking off tasks instead of thinking about our communication and what we're doing. I mean, we're we're communicating whether we're being intentional and purposeful about it or not. And so if we will take the time, one interaction at a time to do that well, not only will we, you know, thrive uh, in our organizations, but I truly think one interaction at a time, um, that we can not only design meaningful work, but we can really change the world if we do that well.
1: Yeah. If you can bring that level of mindfulness into every interaction, uh, you know, whether it's at your job or your house, uh, you can change the world. That's for sure.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that I think we have to remember is, you know, leadership is really a moment by moment earned position. And, and it's granted to you by others because of their belief, trust, and evidence gathered that you have their best interest at heart. And I think sometimes we forget people are always gathering evidence. And in, in gathering that, let's have them gather the story and then the behaviors that support that story that, that you know, ingrain in trust and, and everything in our organizations, which will in turn really help us have... Um, strong engagement and keep the momentum going. And, and all of us need that um, participation and excitement uh, around our, our missions. And so I think that's a critical leadership uh, skill at this point.
1: Right. To create that congruence where what you're saying is mat- matching what you're doing uh, is critical for that belief and to get the people to do that above and beyond that you need them to do to reach the next level.
0: Absolutely. And 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 how how incredible it is to be able to watch that happen, regardless of the environment around us. You know, we we can either be reactive to our environment, um, you know, and get batted around like a ping pong ball um, or we can be proactive and, and take control of our destiny. And, and that's what I love watching with boards and staffs and CEOs, um, you know, is, is watching them take control of it and then just make things you never thought could have happened um, occur. And if you can stay in that positivity, um, regardless of the environment, it's pretty unstoppable.
1: Now, do you mind sharing a story, uh, maybe the, kind of like you described earlier, maybe kind of the challenge they were having where you came on board to help them? And then, you know, maybe it's around helping them dream bigger, um, to help them get to a new level, like you said, that they maybe not even could imagine?
0: Yeah, you know, I, I think the, um, the interesting thing is the first thing one has to do is to give them permission. Um, it, one of the, the, everybody walks into, you know, the, the, the room, figurative or literal, and, and they carry with them the experiences they've had, um, you know, uh, of the past. And one of the most powerful moments um, I had when I kind of, had sort of a duh moment as a, as a CEO was um, I realized that uh, the group that I was, was leading in that way at the time, um, they weren't process people. And so it didn't matter what facilitator that I brought in. They didn't want to engage in process. And I had to help them then subsequently let go of what their traditional thinking was around what strategic planning or building a framework looked like. And they then gave us permission, funnily enough, as staff to do the initial dreaming based on the expertise um, of that particular staff and to come back to them with the start of a framework. And, you know, that's that's kind of backwards to what a lot of us get taught um, that we're supposed to do in terms of how strategy get built, gets built. But in that particular situation, that's what that board really wanted to see happen. And we did. And it was so exciting to watch them Um, Once we sort of gave each other the the opposite permissions to to be something different, um, to to see what then happened when we all came together with these amazing ideas. And the board wound up being emboldened to do something in that particular industry that um, at the time nobody would have ever imagined. And they wound up putting... um, a variety of accreditation and credentialing programs um, in place that fundamentally transformed that industry. And they even began to call it the transformation of the industry. And I was very privileged um, to be part of that and then got an opportunity later on to um, watch all of the words and the storytelling that we used to talk about where we were headed, watched it all then flood back to me a couple of years later, and I realized they had owned it. And so you know, that was a real lesson to me um, that I've carried into being a consultant, that the first thing you need to do is really listen to um, the client and the participants around um, how they want to do work and uh, to let go of traditional thinking about either roles or planning and those sorts of things um in order for something new to show up in that space and in that case that organization has gone on long since i left and leveraged success over success and it's been a joy to watch them
1: yeah the impact is real it's it's amazing how um you know kind of you were there when they needed you to be there and your impact really left a mark. I mean, that's fantastic. Congratulations.
0: Oh, well, thank you for saying that. Well, they're, they're still very dear in my heart. And, and, uh, and it, it's just wonderful to get to, um, to watch an organization take hold of a future that, um, you know, that they had a right to have, you know, and then step into it. And I think, again, back to when I said, you know, I love watching people exceed their expectations of themselves, unleashing that. In uh, in a group of leaders is uh, is a real privilege and a, and a real joy to me.
1: Right, and that's and I I think I I really wish and hope more people are bold enough to dream bigger and to put things in place to aim higher and to partner with the right people so you can kind of exceed expectations and go to places you didn't even dream were possible.
0: Yeah, and they're very exciting people to to work with, and I think one of the things that that we have to remember in in this moment in time that we're in is we we truly do get to design what comes next and um nobody's going to do it for us and so we're the ones that have to show up and and say yes and uh and then take that on and then try you know um you know we won't always get it um exactly perfect and exactly right and that's what adjusting and learning together is all about and um and that's uh that's not a bad thing. It's it's a good thing to be able to continue to to build together, to learn together, and and uh, to challenge each other in positive ways.
1: Well, Cynthia, congratulations on all the success. If somebody wants to learn more and uh, get a hold of you or, or your team, is there a website they can go to?
0: Absolutely. It's the leadershaven.com.
1: Leadershaven.com. Cynthia Mill- The Leaders. <laughs> the Leaders. dot com. So T H E L e a d e r s h a b e n dot com. Thank you. All right, Cynthia Mills. Thank you so much for sharing your story today. You're doing important work, and we appreciate you.
0: Thank you so much for the opportunity to be with you.
1: All right, this is Lee Cantor. We'll see you all next time on Association Leadership Radio.